Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Jimmy, here's the reality of it, okay? You know I'm a realist, right? Yes, I do. So on this gorgeous sun-splashed Friday, which typically in Indianapolis, the storyline would be that it's November, we're like two weeks from Thanksgiving or whatever we are from Thanksgiving. The puffy jacket's almost out. Totally, right? And yet it is like gorgeous. It kind of, we've turned back the clock. We moved, We fell back an hour and then we also fell back like a month because it really feels like early October, it's right? not a bad trade-off. That would typically be the biggest story in Indianapolis that we would lead with today. Or the fact that Indiana's like college football team has been a disaster, and yet here they are with three winnable games to finish out, and would that make them bowl eligible and set up the possibility that Purdue, the other team in the state, in the Big Ten level, could be the spoiler for the Hoosiers three weeks from now trying to get bowl eligibility. That would be a big talking point, maybe. And then, of course, the big one would be the fact that the Colts are in Germany. The fact that I learned yesterday that hello in German is hello. I had no idea that that, that well, was you the gotta, case. Hello. You got you to gotta, you gotta emphasize it a bit. It's the no, dialect to get you there. That's not hello at all. It's very, I'm very <laughs> thorough with it. It's hello, right? <laughs> hello is hello. I had no idea. Like, I had no idea in Germany. You say goodbye, right? I thought it was like au revoir, something like that. What is it? <laughs> Apparently, it's just goodbye is goodbye, right? Yeah. All this time, I thought, uh, like, what were we doing at Kings Island over there in the little German village, right? All that time, I had no idea that all I had to do was walk around saying hello to everybody. I was saying what's up. They didn't know what I was talking about. You know why? Because I wasn't saying hello. Didn't know that. But the Colts being in Frankfurt, Germany, they played overseas before, but Germany is cool. They're going against a team in New England that theoretically, if you believe some reports in Boston, could be landing the knockout blow to Bill Belichick's time with the Patriots, or at least the first time that he's going to have to go to the corner with his eyes swollen shut and they've got to cut him to to get him a second life. That would be a big storyline. But the big storyline is the fact that last night, two things happened at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The first was that they, and I have actually an old man yelling at Cloud's opinion on this. Yes. Love one of those on a Friday. The city court. Okay. Didn't look a lot different, to be honest with you. They used like some weird fuchsia coloring. Right. Um, the city court, and I forgot, by the way, Jimmy, you have something to present to us here talking about the Pacers, right? Indeed. Our, our buddy Paris is in studio with us, so he's temporarily taking the seat but the 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 alliteration for the p is still in play because we have is, is it pd is yeah p the pacers pd the pink pacers flamingo. pink flamingo the victory flamingo is here he shows up after every win actually his legs were a little deflated but not not after last night the well, pacers with a huge win at the field house he now. had a costume party idea because they're playing the patriots this week he was trying to throw it back that's right so that's, that's right. why he's got the deflated leg um I like that. Thank you. It's easier to grip. Here's the thing. 
the city court, it's it's fine. I kind of like the like older school look to it, kind of the faded look. Can I throw an idea about the city court for you? Mm-hmm. I feel like the city court, as you mentioned, kind of bland, and the end season tournament court way over the top. If you could kind of combine the two to balance each other out, I feel like you'd really have something special there. Meet halfway in the middle, right? Yes. Which is the logo. Um, Here's my thought. All right. And this is the way my odd brain works before we get to talking about the fact the Pacers last night with a a tremendous win despite the fact Damian Lillard was not there. Um, The Indiana Pacers are the Indiana Pacers, and they have made a marketing effort over the last several years to announce, to amplify, to cement, to secure, to reinforce to the state of Indiana that they are the Indiana Pacers. If you live in Lafayette and you're a Bulls fan because you got Bulls games when you were a kid on Lafayette television, whatever, and it was only two and a half hours to the United Center or Chicago Stadium, whatever, the Pacers said, you know, like, no, 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 you live in Lafayette. Like, we want you to be an India, a fan of the Indiana Pacers. And they went down for a couple of years and had training camp in Cincinnati because they wanted to try to get like people down in like the Milan and Lawrenceburg areas to know Connorsville like it's the Indiana Pacers right they're one of only how many teams in the state of or how many teams in the NBA are named for a state and not the city you got the Minnesota Timberwolves you got the Golden State Warriors you got the Utah Jazz um you know the Indiana Pacers yet the jerseys say Indy Indy is a euphemism for Indianapolis they're not the Indianapolis Pacers Oh, this is where we're going. Okay. I was waiting it's for incons- the Okay. It's inconsistent. It defies not only the marketing brand of the Indiana Pacers, but it, it, it defies the name of the of the team. Yeah. Look now at- I realize Golden State does wear the jerseys that says city, but Golden State, technically speaking, is is the is the state of California's basketball team. The Pacers I'm not the one that said <laughs> I'm not the one that's gone out of the way to say it's in forty nine other states it's basketball, but this is Indiana. I'm not the one that has said it's the state's game, the Indiana Pacers. But it's the Indiana Pacers. And if it's the Indiana Pacers, why are you coming out with a jersey that actually is not applicable to people in Elkhart, Richmond, Evansville, Bloomington, Terre Haute, and Gary? That's it. <laughs> I don't I don't have a retort to that old man yelling at cloud argument. I don't think like, it's old man yelling at cloud. No, no, I, don't I think, think it's factual. Well, like That's I, how you let off. That's factually why I, consistent, right? That's you're my, right. I'm not, no, you're right. I did say I'm going to sound like an old man yelling at clouds, yeah. The only retort I have is they look cool. That's it. That's all I got. You think they look cool, though? I, I think like they, them. I do. I thought they looked like they were off the sale rack at the dollar store. Man. So that means that the jersey that I bought is not going to have good resale value, then, is what you're saying I, there. It not, is in, I'm not selling it. I'm it is more intended it. to your demographic than mine, admittedly. Okay. But the good news about the city court and all that stuff. Now, now, yesterday we talked about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you remember Ed Rooney gets on the school bus. Yep. And the girl offers the gummy bear. And what does she say? I delivered a line yesterday. I don't First, have it today. First, she says, I'll bet you've never smelled a real school bus before. And then she says, gummy bear, they're really soft. It's been in my pocket all day. So during the game last night, they offered these fabulous cookies. And I thought, because again, people don't know this about me, Jimmy. I am very generous. Sure. And 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 literally, most people think query when interpreted means a question. And I didn't realize this. In German, query is query. But query does mean generosity and thinking of others. Okay. It's a synonym. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought of you and I thought of Eddie. 
And Eddie is not here today. Uh, he's apparently exercising a PTO for CEO. So Nathaniel Atticus Finch, here you go. The, you're filling in for Eddie, so you get his goods. Uh, they, they were in my pocket during the game. If that grosses you out, I understand, but they are completely plastic and sealed, seal-wrapped. There you go. Thank you very much. Last night they were giving out of the game those fabulous, and they are good, actually, soft cookies that are the floor of the Pacers' um, city floor. And then that's exactly what the floor looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Not quite for scale, though. <laughs> it is not quite. That would be something, wouldn't it? Be a big cookie. So let me tell you what I think my observation, what happened last night that I witnessed. I'm at the game. I'm sitting there with my buddy Torian. The game's about to start. And I say to him, okay, how many is Giannis going to have? You got no Damian Lillard, right? Correct. How many is Giannis going to have? Torian went with 25. I went with 31. Both reasonable guesses. So things get underway. And at first, it wasn't like he was really dominant. I think he had maybe like 16 or 18 in the first quarter, which is obviously pretty darn good. But um, he kind of slowed down towards the half. But I think at half, he had, what, 23 or 25 at the half. But Giannis had this ability last night, and and this does happen with him where he's offensively very aggressive. He was going down to the low post, and he was, whether it be during driving to the post or being fed into the post, quite frankly, the combination of him driving via like two dribbles from the three-point line and getting right to the basket, and he has an incredible ability to always know where the basket is. And I know that sounds ridiculous, Jimmy, but if you've played a lot of basketball, you know what I'm talking about where like you've got your back to the basket – or you're driving to the basket and you're looking down or you're looking at the defender and then all of a sudden when it comes time to put the ball up, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I'm way further in than I thought I was. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? It's like the eyes in the back of your head in that scenario or just like a sixth sense of presence of knowing where the rim is at all times. Correct. And, and I think he has an unbelievable ability to differentiate, that, like to know at all times what's going on. And he was able to do it last night. And then you combine that with the fact that Obi Toppin – could not guard him. And I'm not picking on Obi Toppin there. I mean, we're talking about one of the best players in the world, right? Who is a physical freak. That's why his nickname is, you know, the Greek freak, right? Yeah. So It's a tough assignment for anybody. Totally. I witnessed something about midway through the third quarter, and I don't know why it took so long. And I don't know which assistant coach it was that necessarily came up with this, or Rick Carlisle. But I'm going to give a tip of the cap to the staff, to Rick Carlisle's coaching staff last night. Because something very interesting happened midway through the third quarter. You finally got your request fulfilled? What's that? You finally got your request fulfilled? Request. Yes. Which was? You've been pondering the last couple of weeks. When is the German gold medalist going to get some PT? I don't know if you know this or not, but Tice in German is Tice. Is it? you know that? I didn't know that. That's crazy. So is Daniel. So weird. He came in and I said, hello. And he said, hello. Why did I struggle so much in high school German? I don't understand. Totally. Clearly, I didn't pay attention. Uh, you are Sorry, I was slow on the on the draw there on my request. You're right. I've been talking about Daniel Tice. That came a little bit later. They, they tried Daniel Tice, and I thought actually he was somewhat effective against Toppin, but, or excuse me, against Giannis, and he didn't have the foul trouble that Toppin had, although you know it was a much smaller sample size. 
But what they did was this. At one point during a timeout, I saw Lord uh, Lloyd Pierce, Mike Weiner, Ginny Buchek. I think it might have been Buchek that was the one that perhaps spearheaded this to Rick Carlisle. Or maybe it was Carlisle himself. I will give equal credit to the Pacers coaching staff. But I want to give a tip of the cap to their assistants last night because they were very active in yelling out different ways to try to guard Giannis. In particular, Lloyd Pierce, well, Weiner Buchek, those three, I mean, were, but, but Buchek in particular to me seemed to really be guiding them in half-court sets as to what to do with Giannis. And what they did was this. I've talked before about when you play pickup basketball. Jimmy, when's the last time you played a game of pickup ball? Five months. And where were you? I was at a. I was filling in for a buddy's team in Greenwood. I can't remember where Half it was. Half court or full court? Full court. Okay. And you're out there. You're like, hey, I'm just out here to have some fun, hit a couple shots, get some exercise. Exactly. Right? Yep. And there's always that one guy. Usually it's a shorter white guy. Usually has a lot of hair <laughs> on his shoulders, mid forties. You know, the guy looks like if he if he sneezes, he looks like a party favor. You know, he's just kind of gross, he's sweating, he's gelatinous. So you don't really want to be near him anyway. But he's like checking you up at the opposite free throw line like he's in the middle of like a conniption fit and just drank a Red Bull with seven lines of meth. He's hunting down that 10-day, Jake. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? And it totally throws you out of your vibe, right? And last night, the Pacers basically said to Giannis, okay, you're having your way with either driving to the basket or having your way with having your back to the basket and getting fed on the post. So what we're going to do is we are going to start basically doubling you off ball when you don't have the ball within five feet of the midcourt line. And Giannis would cross the midcourt line, and when he was doing so, Bruce Brown and then, to be honest with you, Andrew Nimhard a lot, Aaron Neesmith a lot, Benedict Matherin a time or two. Matherin. Those guys were were meeting him like he was trying to drive from the Mississippi River to California, and they were serving as state troopers before he got to Columbia, Missouri. And they're like, you're not going any further than right here. And so then what happened was Giannis A was completely taken out of his game in terms of trying to penetrate to the basket. So now he's got to kick it to the wings or try to get the ball into like the, the mid-operating area for the Bucks offensively, and if their shots aren't falling in that situation, it completely cut off the head of the snake. And it completely took the – literally, that was his kryptonite. His kryptonite was guard him as before the set can even begin. And if he's the one that's bringing the ball across the floor, meet him before he even gets within long three-point range and force him to kill his dribble. And then he just becomes another player, albeit a huge, massively, impressively chiseled one at six foot eleven. But he's just another player, thirty feet from the basket, and that's where they they limited him. And then they started to come back. But I thought it was a brilliant. Again, I don't know why it took three quarters to come up with it, but the important thing is they did. Maybe I'm totally off base, and Eddie Gill's going to join us here in about 15 minutes, and he can give me better perspective. But to me, that was the difference in the game, and that's where the game completely swung. Because the one thing about the Indiana Pacers that separates them from most teams in the NBA is when their horse, Tyrese Halliburton, is having an off night, 
and Giannis was not having an off night. Damian Lillard was not playing. But when Giannis was then limited offensively via the defensive matchups on him, and he has to then facilitate around the horn for other players to hit shots. Chris Middleton's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Connaughton's a good player. But if their shots aren't consistently falling, they don't have enough diversity of option like Indiana does. And Indiana last night, you saw Buddy Heald comes into the game, can't hit the broad side of a barn for the first five shots he takes, but it doesn't. you don't worry about it because guess what? Like Nimhard hits a couple threes. Neesmith hits a shot. Matherin gets going, and Matherin down the stretch looks like, I'm the guy, I want the ball, get out of my way. And that's what you need. And Indiana had more get-the-hell-out-of-my-way guys late in that game than did the recent champion, I didn't say defending, but recent champion Milwaukee Bucks. I thought, Jimmy, despite the fact that Damian Lillard wasn't on the floor, that was a fabulous performance from Indiana. I completely agree. That's a game the Pacers should be proud of, even if Dame was not out there. Not just because it's one of those where a guy's having a night, a true night. I think the third highest scoring performance by an opponent against the Pacers all time, if I'm not mistaken. And a couple things with your observations. I don't think you can play that way against Giannis for four quarters, the way they implemented late. Like, if you're going to do that, you're going to tie yourself out eventually. It's going to fold and he'll find better options even if guys aren't stepping up at that point I felt like the time they decided to implement it in pockets here and there in the third and then fully operating underneath a double team mentality down the stretch limiting him scoreless for what the final four or five minutes massive key to the game is this Bucks team a finished product at this point no Chris Middleton had an injury riddled season last year and he's not currently himself and yes, Lillard wasn't out there, but they're still a recent champion and they have a superstar player and they're a team that you're chasing. And a week before, you got rocked. I understand Tyrese Halliburton wasn't there. I understand it was on the road. You get rocked by Boston and there's question marks about can you hang with real contenders? Yes, you need to see this matchup again and you will when Damian Lillard's out there because the reason the Pacers have all this depth is they're younger, they're more flexible. The Bucks are in an all-in mode where all their resources are allocated to two guys. Three guys, I guess, if you throw in Chris Middleton. But that's life in the NBA. I'm not faulting the Pacers for that. That's just the way it is. So is it fair to fully say that if you're a Pacers fan thinking, ah, going all the way this year now, that's a bridge too far for me. But if you want to say maybe this team really is where I want them to be, which is sixth or better come postseason time, they're capable of that. When they're playing like that, and especially when Benedict Matherin's playing like he has the last two games. That's all I wanted going into this season was a step forward for your second-year top draft pick. And it's a two-game sample size, very, very small, but 24-10 and 10, the last two nights for him. And defensively, he's taken a step forward compared to where he was last year. You can tell that mattered to him in the offseason. You can tell Rick Carlisle's coaching is sinking into that point. I need to see it over a further sample size. But if that is the Benedict Matherin that the Pacers have this year to accompany Tyrese Halliburton, to accompany Miles Turner, to accompany their depth. I might have been too weak saying six seed or better. It, it could be top four. They're in the mix right now. If it ended today, and I know it's early, but you've nearly played an eighth of the season, they would be the third seed in the East. Very early to crown them that it way. Is. But you measure this game and this sport in many pockets of the season. And so far, through nine games, if that's what you're getting, 
<laughs> not only is it a fun team, it's going to be a dangerous team. Uh, this from Justin, by the way. Jimmy, help your boy out. Let him know they're called city edition jerseys, not state edition jerseys. Uh, again, I agree with that, except for that it's not me. It's the Pacers who have made a concerted effort to make sure that people know it's the Indiana Pacers. That, but trust me, they've gone, they have worked tirelessly to make sure that people, to, to brand themselves as the state's NBA team. Uh, Minnesota city jerseys say Minnesota. Utah's city jerseys say Utah. And previous city jerseys for the Pacers have not said Indy like that. Um, I don't know. I You're right. That is the way they branded themselves. I guess this is the educate portion of the show. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, that, that's that's my that's that's all I'm saying. Hey, they still have the Indiana on the bottom left, though. Does that count for something for you? Is it is it written? I can't even tell. Is it written or is it the little logo of the state? No, it just says Indiana Pacers in the bottom left. Okay, on the sleeve. Cool. So you still got some. That, that counts somewhat. They're not fully hiding away from. But their my state point identity. being, it's not entirely impossible <laughs> to have a state name on the city jersey because clearly Minnesota and Utah decided to do exactly that. That's all I'm saying. Where is the line for the hype right now? Because I don't want to well, overjump it because it's nine games, but that's a quality win. And you got, looking at position by position for this team, yes, Buddy Heald shooting better would have been nice. You can nitpick at things here or there. But the way they played defensively down the stretch, if they're able to unlock that, they're a year ahead of schedule. If they're able to unlock what they have out of Bennett Matherin, you have your you have your second option. Like, I get it. You can point to any night with the depth, the embarrassment of luxury they have there, with depth that any guy could be your tops, your second top scorer any night next to Halliburton. But if Matherin takes that leap defensively and is able to nightly basis do what was asked of him by Rick Carlisle earlier this week, which is move without the basketball, operate without the basketball, if that's the leap forward, man, like, I'm pacing myself. Didn't mean the pun. But I am. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the horses back a bit. But if that's what you're going to get, this team is going to be not just appointment television the rest of the way, but a surefire playoff. But they've team. got it, Jimmy. They've got to be consistent. Correct. You know, I, it is true. I mean, Sundance points out, and it's it's certainly a valid point. Look, Damian Lillard wasn't playing last night. Correct. I, I totally get that. That matters. But you, but you still have a game where here's why. Look, Giannis the, went for fifty. Bottom line like, is this. The bottom line is this. The bottom line is. The Indiana Pacers last night went up. Here's the best way to summarize it. You ready? Sure. Last night, the Indiana Pacers wearing jerseys that strangely said Indy, despite the fact that Indy is a euphemism to 99.9% of the population to people of Indianapolis, not Indiana, although Eddie Garrison says he doesn't associate Indy with Indianapolis, per se. That's included in the summary? Eddie Garrison just texted me and said... And it's a good thing he's off today because I, um, I mean, I can't take seriously anybody who hasn't seen Shawshank, right? When it comes to pop culture references, um, yeah, I know. Eddie Garrison texted and said, "Michael Grady used to say Indy, and the fans would say Anna. I don't automatically associate Indy to Indianapolis." Is he drinking on his day off? <laughs> I, listen, I I know that I'm old and out of touch, but I'm telling you right now, Indy as spelled Indy short I-N- for Indianapolis. Yeah, but the way it is typed out. You pull a hundred people on the street that Correct. actually live here. What no is that for the state is saying, of the city? Everybody's saying the city. Correct. No question. And and again to that point, I guess it is the city edition. So I, I somewhat get it. But last night the Indiana Pacers, in a game where the Milwaukee Bucks may have been shorthanded, still were being dominated by a guy who is one of the best and most versatile players in the game and took complete and total control of the game. And the Pacers then through a combination of strategic adjustment 
and diversity of offensive firepower were able to overcome a historic performance within that building by a former MVP in the league who at one point used that kind of a performance to lift his team to a Game 7 NBA title championship. And as a result of that, even though everybody knows it's only November and everybody knows that Damian Lillard wasn't playing and everybody knows this is a year where Indiana probably is vying for somewhere between a 5-8 to eight playoff seed, that was a game that you look at and say – that certainly points the arrow towards a direction I'd rather have coming off of that game than the opposite way. I would like to add one president's note as well, if I may. You know, they have those editor's note in the long yes. blog post mm-hmm. sometimes. And it's not a game they win last year. It's, it's just not. Like, you you look at what they did in the offseason and a leap forward from some of this young core. I don't care that Dame did not play. You're looking for growth in this team game by game. That's not a game they close out and win last year. That's a game where Giannis dominates in the first half, walks away with it in the third quarter, and you're looking up at the scoreboard probably with Halliburton and company in warm-ups. It's not, it's not a game you win last year. By the way, if you are listening to this program right now and in any way, shape, or form in any branch of it, be it the Marines, be it the Army, be it the Navy, be it the Air Force, be it the Coast Guard, be it the Indiana National Guard, whatever it may be, if you are a veteran of this country in any way, shape, or form, we thank you for it on this Veterans Day in 2023. Eddie Gill, a veteran of the Indiana Pacers radio and television network, will join us next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Back to last night at the Fieldhouse. Joining us now on the hotline, Eddie Gill, who, of course, you hear on the Pacers radio network. You also see him on the Pacers television coverage. Joins us to talk about the game last night. Uh, Eddie, first, I wanted to get to this. I didn't notice, was, and I should have, I was there. Damian Lillard clearly, clearly was in the building last night, right? I mean, he didn't play, but he was in the building, correct? He made the trip? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yep. Okay. So, but even with that, that makes him the second best Weber State product in the arena, correct? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a close second. <laughs> he's, a, he's a close second. That's right. I like that. Hey, um, yes, I, I thought last night, and we were talking about this, and I, I want your expertise, Eddie Gill, as somebody that, that obviously played and, and sees these games with a lot more close eye than I. I thought the game changed late, and I don't know necessarily why they went this late to make this change, but I thought it was a fabulous one. And that is they tried different things against Giannis, who is an unbelievable talent. But, Eddie, I really thought things changed when they decided to just basically double him right across, even off ball, right across the the midcourt stripe where he was essentially suffocated before he could even get into any sort of a set whatsoever. And then if he was doubled and got up into a jam, 
they had difficulty facilitating the ball offensively elsewhere once they kind of cut off the head of the snake. Is that how you saw it late in the game? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the, uh, the patient decided, you know, especially early on in that first quarter, that he would not be the one to beat them. He would not be the one to make the, the primary decision in terms of who's shooting the basketball, when they're shooting it, and, and that kind of thing. Someone else was going to have to. Someone else is going to have to make those plays for them. Uh, and beyond that, I thought the Patriots did a, a good job of scrambling in those situations because it, it really puts you in a predicament when you double a guy way out at half court because now you're, you're really stretched, a lot of space on the floor to cover. Uh, but I thought ultimately they did, a, they did a really nice job with that and, and, and making someone else make a play. So with that latter part, because the second part of that question, and I give the Pacers staff a ton of credit for you know, essentially just saying enough is enough and coming up with that game plan, but – is the scrambling defensively the reason why we didn't see that approach earlier in the game? Yeah, it's just not sustainable. You can't double a guy uh, across half court as soon as, the, as soon as the game starts to do it for four quarters. It's just not sustainable. Uh, there's other pros out there on the floor, and you got to give those guys the proper respect. Um, now, one thing you can do is potentially, you know, if he's, if he's in post-up situations or if he drops below the free throw line, now you can send multiple bodies and you have a, a better opportunity to, to, to scramble. Um but one of the biggest initiatives that they have this year is, is trying to play more one-on-one basketball and, and, and not get too spread out in terms of those scramble situations. So they were trying to go with that for a while, but you know, once that guy's got 50 through three quarters and, and it looks like he's going, he's headed for 65, you got to do something different. Eddie Gill of the Pacers Radio Network taking some time with us here on Query and Company. Eddie, the last two games, Benedict Matherin's averaging a double-double roughly 24-10 and 10 over this two-game span. I know it's an incredibly small sample size, but Rick Carlisle mentioned post-game that it's all kind of come from a conversation they had earlier in the week about him operating more off the ball. From your vantage point, how much of that success has led from exactly that, his ability to buy in and move and create away from the basketball and then taking advantage of the opportunities when they come to him? Yeah, I, thought, I think he's done a great job of that, especially over the last couple of games. Uh, definitely a byproduct. And, and then even beyond playing off the basketball, I think he's been doing some great jobs that don't necessarily uh, get into the stat sheet in terms of his, his defensive effort on the other end. I thought he had a, a couple huge plays late in that game, a couple deflections from, I think, Chris Middleton one time, Giannis Antetokounmpo another time. Uh, and then on top of that, he's getting on the glass. So it, he's not necessarily waiting for somebody to give him the, the basketball to make a play. He's going and, uh, and getting it off the glass uh, he had, I think, four offensive rebounds last night, so um, and, and eleven total. So he, you know, his activity has taken a, a, a gigantic leap as well. Eddie Gill is our guest. We're talking about the Pacers' win last night over the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, Eddie, the reality is that you look at that game, and maybe you look at the box score afterwards, and you go, "Hey, Halliburton was, you know, again hit big shots. Matherin was the thing I love about Matherin is, man, that guy like." I remember Steven Jackson, Eddie, you know, when Steven Jackson came here, had one of the great lines of all time when somebody said, like, what's it mean that you've won a title and you can bring that here? And Steven Jackson said, man, I can tell you right now, I just I make love to pressure. I thought that was such a good line, right? And, and right. Matherin, Matherin kind of has that, like, that absorption of the moment in him, it seems to me. He's not afraid of it, right? And I love that. But give me a guy or two that last night did things on the floor that were difference makers for Indiana that the casual fan may not notice and they deserve more credit? Well, I think Aaron Neesmith is that guy every night. Um, 
and it's it's clear to see his his three point shooting has been has been great, and yeah, it's great to see him make shots and make plays, scoring and, and all those types of things. But he brings a toughness to the game that that few bring to it, and um, he's at this point guarding just about every position on the floor. Um, you see him guarding point guards. You know, last night he had his fair share of Giannis, um, but he's a guy that just brings a different element of of, of, uh, of ferocious play in, in terms of what you need to to play winning basketball. I think he is a uh, He's definitely that guy. Okay, which leads to this question, because I've, I've mentioned this before with Aaron Neesmith, and you are a perfect person to ask, Eddie. You went to high school in Colorado, correct? Correct. How many Division One players come out of Overland High School in Colorado? I don't know. I mean, is it a lot or is it not often? Um, we've got a couple. Because? Not often, though. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm assuming when you were in high school, you were the guy. Fair statement? Yep. Okay. When you were in college, I know that you had – I can't remember if you played with Arsenal, but but at Weber State – Okay. But, but you were – you know, you guys were dynamic, so maybe it was 1 and 1A, but for a great extent in college, you were the guy, right? Yep. Okay. You get to the NBA, and with Indiana, you – and whether it be the Blazers, the Pacers, you know, the different teams you played with, Seattle, Milwaukee. Sure. Everywhere that you went, you had to accept a role. And you're no longer the guy. With all due respect, you're no longer the guy. Absolutely, absolutely. Are there guys that can't handle that? Yeah, there are definitely guys out there because they're continually, you know, chasing that that moment, that feeling, and um, and not necessarily uh, understanding that there's other things that you can do to be effective, other things that the team needs for you to do to be a good fit, and then if you accept some of those things, you may you may end up growing back into that guy that you were. Um, but it, it, if if you come in, and you're like, hey, I, you know, I've, I've averaged 20 my entire career, middle school, high school, college. I've, I've always averaged 20. <laughs> um, you know, there's only going to be two, maybe there's probably going to be just two guys on the team who's doing that, right? Every everyone else is just trying to 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 fit in, and obviously you can, you still have ability to score and, and make plays and that kind of thing, but you're not necessarily. Uh, the guy so it, it can't have a negative impact if you're, if you're trying to fight that so to me eddie the thing and the reason i ask it and i'm fascinated by it is because and maybe it's too early to know that this is sustainable but aaron neesmith is a guy that probably for the vast majority of his career to this point has been the guy um you know andrew nimhard probably you know i know gonzaga had a lot of great players but sure. Andrew Nimhart also just like seemingly willingly accepts his role and is totally cool with it. And, and the Pacers, this roster seems to have a lot of guys like that. But how do you know and, and when do you know that a guy is willing to accept that modification of what he's been used to? I think, I think you know when he starts doing the things that don't get in the stat sheet, right? When he's, when he's coming out just going as hard as he can, when, he, when he's going out, you know – Taking the assignment from a de- from a defensive perspective and taking the challenge that hey he's going to guard his position, is he going to go and rebound his position? Uh, is, is he going to go try to make some plays for, for a teammate and not always looking for his? Uh, that's when you know a, a guy is is willing to do some other things with the exception of, of you know relating to, to scoring the basketball, um, and that's when you know you got something special. But Aaron Eastwood is the epitome of that. Uh, I will say they play a. a a free-flowing game in which there's a lot of opportunity out there for a lot of guys. Um, and we've talked about their depth throughout the season. And it, and it definitely shows um, when you have a guy like 
him. Um, Jalen Smith is coming off the bench. Uh, you know, these guys are being able to come in and, and really uh, wreak havoc on, on the opponent every every single night just about. Eddie Gill, the Pacers Radio Network, joins us. Eddie, it's still very early in the season, and I know championships aren't necessarily won in November, but the foundation to be able to contend or, or playoff spots aren't in November. The foundation to be able to earn those spots can be built properly in November. Two key games back-to-back against Philadelphia, another measuring stick game for this team, especially on the defensive end. What do you need to see out of them on this two-game back-to-back against Philadelphia? Not back-to-back, but two consecutive against Philadelphia on the road that would solidify what they're doing so far this year if it hasn't already. Sure. No, it's a great test. It's a great test. I mean, obviously, they've they've, they've, uh, done really well in this home stretch uh, and, and even against the Milwaukee Bucks. And even against against good teams, but yet and still you're at home, right? So I, I think this will be the first true test to go out on the road uh, and, and see an opponent that's that's at ultimately full strength. They have a, a MVP candidate, the former MVP and Joel Embiid. Uh, it's not going to be a one man assignment in terms of trying to slow him down. Tyrese Maxey has definitely come along, um, so there's a, there's a lot there that that they're going to be tested. And uh, I think ultimately just being able to see this test on the road would be a good experience for the Pacers early on in the season. Eddie, I'm gonna. I'm almost embarrassed here. I mean, you and I've known each other peripherally, and and you know, done a few things sure. together over the course of what now, probably ten years, something like that, maybe twelve, yeah, somewhere in there. That sounds about right. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah. I I give you permission. Um, you're, I'm putting you enough in the circle to 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 go ahead and tell me when I'm a total moron. Okay. So when I ask this, I'm giving you permission to say, Jake, you are a total moron. Okay. Gotcha. If. If you're on the road, let's say let's say you you take a week off and you're going to go on vacation and you miss a Pacers game. You didn't see it, you didn't you didn't hear it, you were running around with the kids, you're doing whatever. And then you look sure. at the box score without knowing the final score. And you see in the box score that Tyrese Halliburton had 45 points. Does that make sure. you automatically totally optimistic the Pacers won or is there the chance that you say to yourself this is not a team built that way, and they need better distribution than that, and I'm worried that they might have been in trouble in this game based on a one-man performance like that. Am I totally off base in saying that Indiana is built for more of Halliburton to have like a 25-point night and then distribution elsewhere from a lot of different areas? Uh, I think there's there's a room for – clearly there's an exception to the rule, right? So you can do that as a one-off, but – the, I think to your to your larger point, uh, the greater body of work would would, would seem as though he has games where there yeah, he's in the mid twenties and he's got a double double. Another guy's got twenty. There may be a, another guy with eighteen. Those types of things. So they they are definitely built like that. And they play like that, right? They they play like that. They share the basketball. Even though you know Tyrese exploded that other game, you know for the bulk of four quarters they're sharing the basketball and guys are getting a lot of opportunity. So. They don't. They don't rely on one guy to to put up thirty a night for sure. So I, I would agree under the assessment that they are built to have you know four or five guys a night in double figures. One of the things they do really well, this particular group, Eddie Gill's our guest. We're talking about the Pacers. I noticed last night that late in half court sets when the shot clock is running down, when you as a spectator, meaning me or the crowd, starts to get tense, like they've got to get a shot off here. And it goes to somebody that's not typically a shooter. They manage to get one more pass in before, like a Nimhard or a Neesmith, right at the buzzer of the three point or of the half court shot. The shot clock gets a shot off. Is that worked on, or is that just natural instinct amongst players and feeling each other out? Some of that is just passing the, gr- the grenade around. <laughs> 
um, you know, if it gets down to the last five or six seconds of the clock, and if a guy has someone all over them that they can't get a clean look off, and they're like, hey, I don't want to jack up this bad shot, you shoot it. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, <laughs> so that does happen, right? I mean, because here's the thing. They look yeah. – and there are guys that maybe don't want that grenade, but I think, Eddie, the yeah. thing that's so intriguing about this team is more often than not on the perimeter, they all have guys that, that basically have on iron gloves, right? And they're not worried about the grenade in their hand. Well, yeah. Now, if, catch a, if, a, if any of them, I will say any of them, catch it clean and they got a good look, it could be one second on the clock. They're letting it go for sure, uh, and they're going to shoot it with confidence. And you've seen them already, but he's knocked down a few at the buzzer. Uh, you know, they're going to shoot that shoot it with confidence. And the, the caveat is if you got someone draped all over you with one second and two seconds on you or two seconds on the clock, and now you don't want to shoot that ball. You want to, you're trying to find someone else. But yeah, they've 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 shown a, a knack for finding guys in open situations, uh, you know, with one or two seconds on the clock and, and they get it off. Now, I'll tell you one guy who, who's not afraid of taking that shot with, with people all over him is Buddy Heald. Correct. Because he, he has an innate ability to create just enough space to get it off, and it's a good shot for him. Now, here's the thing about Buddy Heald last night, though, Eddie Gill. I, I thought Buddy Heald was a little slower to get going than in a lot of games. Um he, he he was getting good looks, but it just wasn't going down for him. Um, is Ed, is Buddy Heald as a sixth man and and the guy that you need to score like quick punch off the bench? Is that long term sustainable? Yeah, I think he definitely has the ability. You, you're not gonna find a guy with a greater spirit and greater love and greater competitive uh, aspect for the game than Buddy. He, the guy lives in the gym. Um, so he, I, I definitely believe in what he's able to do, and I, and I think he's also taking a step forward. Even though he, you know, he's a veteran, he's been in the league for quite some time. He's taking a step forward with his uh, creativity, uh, his playmaking, and then uh, and then in the last couple of games, he's made some really big plays defensively too. So I think he's accepted the challenge, accepted what it looks like coming off the, off the bench, and, uh, and and thus far he's excelled at it. I thought last night at times on the post. Obi Toppin struggled defensively. Is that because Obi Toppin has areas to improve defensively, or because Giannis is a freak? Yeah, because he's still because of Giannis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. That's simply that's simply because of Giannis. Now, you know, granted, regardless of who it is, you want to be able to have a, a certain element of competitiveness, a certain element of resistance. You're not just allowing people to go wherever they want to go by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but yeah, Giannis is tough down there, and as I mentioned early on in the game, the Pacers were content with just playing one-on-one basketball. Whether it was Obi, whether it was Miles, whether it was Aaron, all three of those guys, I think got a pretty good share of them. Um, but early on, you know, for the first three quarters, the, the Pacers were just content with playing one-on-one basketball and just trying to make it difficult on them in that capacity. But you know, three quarters, he's got fifty. We, we better do something different. <laughs> Eddie, is the depth at which you can get? anybody to score 20 a night sustainable and by that I mean Jake's right this is a collection of players that have bought into the roles that they're playing but traditionally you want to rely on okay Tyrese going to get his Miles is going to get his who's that third guy going to be and it could be almost anybody having a given night is that aspect of it sustainable in other words the expectations to think it could be Nemhard, it could be Neesmith it could be Heald it could be Matherin is that idea of those players being able to at any given night go over 24 you if need be sustainable over the course of an 82 game season i think it is i think you got enough of them to where on, on any given night it's going to be one of those guys who's got it going uh you saw early on in the season it was bruce brown had it going he had he's really still been shooting the three ball well but he, he had it going um neesmith has obviously been been really good off the bench nimhart has been good off the bench um 
so you, so you definitely you, you have that ability to to have that third guy in the mix who's going to have you know significant contributions. And again, just with the way their pace of play and the amount of shots that they're getting up game after game, you will have a third guy who's who's flirting with twenty every night. By the way, do most people when they if you strike up conversation, Eddie? You think more people call it Weber State or Weber State? What percent of people know it's Weber State? The people that live in Utah, whatever that number is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the only pe- those only ones that know it's Weber State. Did, did did Chris Weber ruin this for everybody? Is that what happened? Yeah, all the all the Webers out there, all the Weber Grill, everybody, everybody, everybody. <laughs> Bruce Weber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the Webers out there ruined it for uh, for Weber State. Now, although I will say with. Uh, with the with the insertion of, of, of Damian Lillard and, and obviously what he's been able to do in the league and, and he's never hesitant to to shout out Weber State and he does a, a nice job with with going back there and everything and everyone knows he went to school there. There's more people getting getting familiar with with the term Weber and not Weber. Now, were you at and we don't need to say the name of the company, but I think it's a funny story. I hope you don't mind me bringing it up. Were you at Weber State or elsewhere when you became a fashion model and you didn't even intend to be? Oh, <laughs> I don't know what this is. <laughs> well, didn't you? I don't, I don't, wasn't your me. wasn't your poster like hanging in a store selling shoes or something like that? And you're like, wait a minute, like I didn't have anything to do with this. Oh, that is funny. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. No, I was in the. I was shoot. I I was retired when that happened, and they and they and they did that. I was done playing. So so like a friend of yours walks into a store and is like, holy cow! There's like a nine foot banner of you like dribbling a basketball, selling like gear, right? How about that? Yeah, it was from a high school picture of that, too. <laughs> a high school yeah. picture of you, and it's being used at, when you're an adult in a sporting yeah. goods store, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Very well-known no, sporting goods store. But, yes, it was, it was, in, a, in, a, uh, it was, it was in a store in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and come to find out it was in, like, 50 stores across the country. <laughs> <laughs> that is so beautiful. I'd, have it, I'd put it on my LinkedIn, fashion model, right? I mean, you have to. You got to get those residuals, Eddie. Come on. I mean, Eddie, I got news for you. I, and I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to be uncomfortable here. But but if you're not a nice looking guy, there's no way that goes up. I and mean, there's no way a picture of me at North Central High School is being used without my permission, right? Uh, you got a shot. You got a shot. <laughs> I mean, I would, trust me, I'd have that on my business card. I'd have it as my, my Twitter account background, the whole deal. And then I'd sue That's him. Hilarious. You know That's, what I mean? That's hilarious. That's just- that's hilarious that you saw that. <laughs> okay, last question for you, Eddie. Eddie Gill is our guest. Um, last question for you is the area right now that you feel Indiana, if they want to have the year that's expected, and I think realistically this year for the Pacers, the expectation is to take a step forward, get a taste of the playoffs, get some of these young guys involved, and continue to mesh. But the area right now – that they still need probably the most improvement to be able to do that is what? Consistent defensively, for sure. Consistency on that end. We've seen we've seen uh, bright flashes of it. I thought that fourth quarter was 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 pretty was pretty good uh, last night. Obviously, uh, the night before the fourth quarter was really good. Um, I think they gave up just twenty points in that in that quarter. Um, but we've seen we've also seen flashes where teams are flirting with forty in a quarter. So you, you know that those types of quarters, you have to just all around and got to eliminate those and and, um, and you don't have they don't have to be top five in the in the, in the league in defense. I don't think they will be because it's just way too difficult to to be that good defensively when you're when you're running at the pace that they're running. 
but you but you can be in the middle of the pack or in the, or just above the middle of the pack. And if you're able to do that, then then for sure uh, this is a playoff team, and, and, and they'll make they can have the opportunity to make some noise in the playoffs. Actually, I do have one more question, Eddie, because defensively is the area that they need improvement or consistency, and because he was drafted for his potential defensive prowess. Should we see any concern in the fact that Jarris Walker has not been in any rotation at this point? No, I don't think you, you, there's any cause for, for concern there. I think um, it's just going to be tough for him to get on the floor. As long, as long as they, you know, knock on wood, they stay reasonably healthy, it's going to be tough for him to, to see legitimate uh, opportunity here, at least in his rookie season. And, and that's okay. You know, the guy is 19 or, or 20 years old or, or whatever he is, but he does have – uh, good promise and, and great quickness and, and good size and strength and athleticism to to get it done on the defensive end of the floor. Um, but no reason to be concerned that he's not out there right now. All right. Appreciate it, Eddie, as always, and look forward to the continued season coverage both on the television and radio side of things. Thank you much. I appreciate it. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Great place to read about the Colts, to follow the Colts all season long, of course, is The Athletic, led by none other than our next guest, the talented James Boyd, with us on a Friday. James, how are you? I'm doing good. I miss you, Jimmy. I miss you too, man. I, oh, well, I, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what, am I, what am I over here? I, mean, <laughs> I, I can hear you, James. I, I'm here. <laughs> Nathaniel can only turn off mics. He can't turn I, off headphones, unfortunately. So that's why as we freeze Jake out of this conversation for a second, apparently. James, with them being over in Germany now, and with the latest comments from Shane Steichen in regards to availability for some key players on the injury list. We already know Juju Brents, Drew Ogletree are out and did not make the trip, but Steichen spoke to the media earlier. Zaire Franklin, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs. He didn't say game time decisions, but he did say decisions over the next two days. How big is that given what Franklin has done for this defense, as well as the depletion of the Colts offense if both Pierce and Downs were to miss? Yeah, I think you feel encouraged, obviously, with how the defense performed last week and the absence of Zaire Franklin, but you don't make that a habit because the guy leads the tackles, and he's someone who's very special to this defense um, from an emotional standpoint as well. So we'll see on that front. But for Josh Downs and Alec Pierce, those guys can't go. I mean, this offense that looked awful in you know uh, Carolina, which was looking even worse, in my opinion. And you really saw the effect of not having Josh Downs in that second half of that game. Uh, fortunately, Kenny Moore had the game of his life, but if he doesn't have those two pick sixes, um, it's tough because you just can't produce any offense without Josh Downs, I believe, getting open across the middle of the field and continuing to progress on the defense. Okay, so let's go over this, James Boyd, from The Athletic, as the Colts and Patriots are on their way to Germany, or actually in Germany now. But for those that are unfamiliar, James, 
it's kind of a weird week because typically we get before a Sunday game, there's a practice on Wednesday. We get an injury report of who did and didn't practice. The Colts didn't do that. They did a walkthrough. Then, you know, they start traveling. So it is a little bit wonky in terms of our level of the clarity of knowing who's in and who's out. But as of right now, the way things stand, the the breakdown for me, the two tiers, I guess, of guys that are most in doubt to not be available Sunday and guys that could be in question but we're just not certain yet. Yeah, I think one person I would probably lean towards playing is Zaire Franklin just because he's only missed one game in his career, which was last week. And Gus Bradley said he was pretty close last week, still playing. Um, with Josh, I would you know just lean on the side of caution, quite honestly, because um, they haven't reported anything. They haven't told us anything. But just my own common sense tells me if this guy really couldn't finish out the game in Carolina, why rush him back for this week when you could rest him this week and get the bye and then get him fully healthy coming out of the bye? So that's just my opinion on the matter, but we'll see how it goes. And then with Alec Pierce, um, I looked at all those guys today running around. You couldn't tell much during that one more period, but he looked like he was, you know, ailing too much or, you know, in too much pain or something like that. So we'll have to just wait and see. But I definitely asked, and Shane kind of gave me that smirk, like, I know you're going to ask, and you know I'm not going to answer, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's the job. James, when I look at the Colts defensively and I look at what they were able to do against Carolina, especially DeVorce Buckner really making his presence felt in that game, even though the Colts continue to look for more support and more steps forward for guys like Quiddy Pay and, and getting more help outside, DeForest is able to make his presence felt throughout against Carolina. When I look at New England, I see no reason why he couldn't have a similar, if not better, performance. Do you see it the same way when you look at that matchup in terms of what the Colts will need to do defensively against the Pats? Absolutely. I think DeForest Buckner is one of those guys at this point in his career for how well he's played, for as long as he's played, you just pencil him in for big games. Um, it doesn't matter who they play. But the key, like you said, is can the other guys kind of step up? And I thought last week they faced an offense that's really struggling, doesn't really have an identity, obviously, with Bryce Young struggling back there. Um, but, you know, you can probably say the same thing about the Patriots, where their offense isn't clicking too much. Mac Jones is struggling. They've only won two games. But can you get that extra, you know, oomph from someone else? Because DeForest Buckner – to his credit, even without Grover Stewart, has still been dominant. And I think he's having, you know, an all-pro caliber season, pro bowl caliber season. It's just a matter of will he get that same respect that they don't get enough wins to kind of get in that conversation. James, Grover Stewart's in a contract year, correct? Yes. By Grover Stewart, who I think's been a great – I mean, he's been – maybe not great. He's been a very good player for them. He has exceeded expectation and has really been a good player until the suspension. But to your point – if Grover Stewart is not out there and it has not limited what other players around him have still been able to do, does that in any way, shape, or form influence the contract negotiations for Grover Stewart? I don't think it influences that much just because they really only thrived with the pass rush last game. Before last game, we were all asking, where is it besides the Forrest Buckner? So we saw, you know, Aitamo Adabari get his first sack. We saw Quiddy Pay able to get some pressure, dial, all those guys kind of pop. But prior to last game, the conversation was, it's DeForest Buckner and who? And you were really missing Grover Stewart. So I think that with the NFL, sometimes it's like a week-to-week league. You know, one week it's one narrative, the next week it's a different narrative. But overall, I think they still need Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner is just being Superman, or as I call him myself, God's favorite because, you know, he's uh, handsome and a good dude and very good at football, doing all these special things. And it's like, 
you know, who else is going to do something else besides, you know, Mr. President over here? <laughs> James, uh, James Boyd is our guest, by the way. Colts and Patriots coming up Sunday in Frankfurt. Um, you know, in terms of New England, obviously struggling, right? When there are guys that you're that the Colts are trying to assess whether to go or not go, coming off injury, does the opponent in any? I know that the bye week factors in a little bit, right? Because you know, like, hey, we can kind of get a buy one get one here on rest time or, or you know recovery, etc. Does the lack of stoutness of the opponent factor in any way, shape, or form about the rate in which you bring guys back? I don't think so. I think that you have to look at this stuff with long-term, um, you know, a long-term vantage point. And I think also Shane was a little weird when we asked about, and I believe it was actually Kevin Bowen, you know, 107.5, the fans own Kevin Bowen. He asked Shane if Josh Downs, you know, his knee injury was something that lingered from the spring. And Shane gave a really vague answer. It was like, yeah, but, and we were all like, does that mean a yes? Does it mean a no? Is it a, in the middle? But I believe, from what I understand, and, and maybe just the context clues around it, that this is something that's kind of bothered him. You know, uh, uh, Josh Downs missed some time during his last season at Carolina with the knee injury. You know, missed time in the spring with that, came back, and then now he's dealing with the knee injury again. So, all things considered, I think you have to think of his long-term health and remember that it's not worth it to just rush him back for one game, even if it is against a weaker opponent, if it's going to jeopardize his future, because obviously you can see his future is bright. If they're down both Josh Downs and Alec Pierce, or even if it's just Downs and Pierce is able to go, how big will Jonathan Taylor, the pass catcher, be in this matchup against New England? I think it's huge. We've actually seen him be his most productive, I believe, um, in the passing game. He obviously had a really good game a few weeks ago against the Saints. That was kind of weird where it's like, oh, why didn't he run in the second half? But, um, you know, his touches, his, his ability to get out in space, has really popped this season more than others, and I think that's going to be the case because, quite frankly, if their teams are going to continue to load the box and, and tell you, hey, you're not going to run, how else can you get your best player the ball? And so um, he's shown that ability, and I think that that's why you pay him. Um, you don't pay him to run him into the ground necessarily, but you pay him to utilize all of his talents. And one of his talents is catching the ball out of the backfield. Now, is he Christian McCaffrey? No, but he is you know, better than most in the league. James, there's a piece on Patriots.com where they go through – each pass or throw option for both the Colts and the Patriots, and they were highlighting who has the edge whenever the Colts run the ball, who has the edge. Whenever the Patriots run the ball, who has the edge. When they got down to when New England throws the ball, they gave the edge to the Colts. Now, against any other team, I would be flabbergasted by that because of how depleted the Colts' secondary is, and that's been the major talking point about the defensive struggles has been the secondary. Is New England truly that bad in terms of the weapons around Mac Jones and Mac Jones' struggles that you yourself would say, yeah, I think I actually would give the edge of the Colts here in terms of if New England's going to try to throw the ball on Sunday? Yeah, I would. And especially coming off the game Kenny Moore just had, he might be the best uh, receiver out there when they go out there, um, you know, for offense, the Patriots do. And I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not. I just – I don't think that at this point in the season you can expect an offense that's been struggling as much as theirs to suddenly, you know, have a great game. Now, could that happen? Yes, at the NFL. It's kind of weird sometimes. But I kind of lean on the side of what you've seen. What you've seen is an offense that's really um, stagnant, really tough to get points, get yards. And I think this Colts defense is kind of riding high, feeling good about themselves and trying to build on that after last week. So 
I would just say um, if you consider Kenny Moore still out there, um, maybe you don't throw in his direction. And does that? how does that maybe hamper your offense even more? So we'll see. Obviously, the Patriots are familiar with Kenny Moore. It's where he got his career started. And uh, we'll see how things go. But I think this is a game the Colts must win. I don't like to use the term must-win game, but a, you know, a team that's only won two games and you're going into the bye, you know, five and five sounds a lot better than four and six. James Boyd is our guest from The Athletic. James, it was around this time a year ago, maybe a little bit later, but for the most part, we're halfway through the season and the Colts are getting set to go into their bye week. It was around this time, maybe two or three games later, when, when I think Bernard Ryman it really started to kind of come together for him last year. And all of a sudden, at the end of the year, people look back and went, you know what? By the end of the year, he was actually pretty competent in learning a position that's one of the tougher ones to learn. Give me a guy who seems to be trending towards the direction right now of he is perhaps above schedule on where they thought he was going to be of learning his position and his exceeded expectation to this point? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I think one of them before he got hurt, it probably was Drew Ogletree. I know he's out this week, but Drew was one of those guys where I was like, man, he missed the season with the ACL injury. Um, Obviously, he's in a crowded tight end room. And then for a couple of weeks here, which is disappointing that he's hurt, he emerged as that top tight end, you know, that pass-catching tight end, that bruiser as a blocker. And that's someone I think that is kind of, you know, exceeded expectations in a sense because coming into the season, I don't think that he was the first guy I would have put on the depth chart. It probably would have been Jelani Woods or someone else, but he stepped up. And then um, from there, I don't think there's really been any other guys um, who kind of come alive or jumped off the page for me in their second or third season. Um, I mean, the biggest guy – as far as newcomers go, be Josh Down just because he would see that position in my eyes because I didn't expect him to come in and be this explosive right off the bat. I believe he still leads the Colts in uh, 20, uh, catching the 20 yards or more. So um, those are probably my two guys. For special teams, I know you're not directly out there, James, but in terms of the conversation this week, has anything been made about the unique rule with the positioning of that scoreboard, how low the ceiling is, that it's basically just a, a restart? I believe it happened once against... Uh, in that Chiefs-Dolphins game, that if it hits the ceiling, that you can't play it off the bounce. you got to go ahead and redo the punt all over again. Has anything been in that conversation piece in regards to special teams operations going over there? Nah, not for the most part. I think Shane, as you all know by this point, he's very like, hey, no excuses. you got to go play and win. And so it was kind of funny. You come all the way across the pond, and he's saying the same stuff he says at West 56th Street. And um, I was like, oh, okay, just good to know that he didn't change. When, when he got over here, he was pretty uh, routine. So um, I think that for the most part, they're just focused on how they feel. They did talk about the feel being a little bit different, you know, maybe being a little bit slicker and things like that and having to make sure they have the right cleats on. But he talked to every player, every coach. It's like, hey, man, we can't play a game, and they got to play in the same conditions as us. But we can't make a bunch of excuses if we don't you know, go out there and execute. James, I want to give a peek behind the curtain. James Boyd of The Athletic is our guest who covers the Colts. I want to give a peek behind the curtain um, for listeners, quite frankly, who don't have the privilege and the access that we do as credentialed media members to get an idea of what a Colts week typically looks like for the team. So in a regular week, I'm not talking about when they're going to Germany. If this game this weekend was at Lucas Oil Stadium, give me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday – I'm not saying hour by hour, but what the team does, the the team activities are what for each of the five days of the week? 
Yeah, so Monday they review everything after the game. Um, that's when we talk to Shane Sykin on Zoom. Tuesday is usually their off days. We talk to the coordinators. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is practice. And that's when we get to go to the open locker room and talk to the guys. Saturday is an off day. And then Sunday is the game. Okay, and, and those so, practices um, are typically how long, James? And which of those practices, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the practices are usually how long? And which of those three days is the most arduous? Yeah, I would say Wednesday and, and, and Thursday are probably the, the ones that are a little bit um, more arduous. Friday's pretty light. Um, they, they're never too long. You know, they're about an hour, hour and a half. But um, I think they just hit it hard and get all their stuff kind of installed and then go from there. But um, it's never like this where you're kind of starting to stop in and doing walkthroughs and then a practice and all these things where it's kind of just off schedule, quite frankly. I know Julian Black, when we just talked to him, he was like, yeah, it's all about keeping your routine. But, you know, even he has to kind of admit that, yeah, this is not our normal routine. We're just trying to make it as normal as we can. Okay, so this week, with the Colts game not being at Lucas Oil Stadium, but rather being across the pond, this week their activity was what? So this week, you know, we had a typical, um, you know, Monday press conference or Zoom call with Shane Sykin. Tuesday they were off. You know, Wednesday they have a walkthrough. Um, Thursday they actually have practice, and today they have another walkthrough. So instead of the you know, typical practices, they've only they only had one real practice so far this week. And part of that I think is just keep your body fresh because as much as you want to keep it fresh from an injury standpoint, you want to keep it fresh from a rest standpoint because you're not getting that normal routine rest that you get throughout a, a, a typical game week. I'm curious, James, and I don't I don't know if maybe you've talked to your colleagues from the Boston Providence area. Did New England and Indianapolis go over at roughly the same time? Because it is an adjustment, man. I mean Depending on when they leave and, and getting over there, you know, it takes probably a day. I mean, it's and they're younger guys in great shape. I get that. But uh, are they pretty much on par as to when the Colts and the Patriots arrived? Yeah, pretty much the same. I know the Patriots practiced earlier than the Colts did today, but it's about it. They, they both got over here around the same time. So I don't think there's going to be a huge discrepancy in, you know, analyzing, okay, did they have an advantage because they stayed an hour back you know, or an hour later, or they came over an hour earlier. It wasn't like something where it was like a day in, in between, no. James, how would you assess the play of Blake Freeland in relief of Braden Smith as he's tried to recover back from that hip-slash-wrist injury? I know he's a full participant the last two days and trending like he's going to return, but being asked that, kind of like Ryman was last year as a rookie to step up in the trenches, how would you assess what he was able to do over that stretch? I think it was solid. I think it's all you can expect from a guy who's picked in the fourth round and kind of thrown in the fire. I mean, I talked to him a few weeks ago while facing Aaron Donald. He was like, yeah, that was definitely a welcome to the NFL moment. And so um, I think he's done an admirable job, but obviously it would be huge to get Braden Smith back considering, you know, what the Colts have invested in him as far as a part of the future of this team and, and, and the level he's played at throughout his career before the injuries um, this season. So um, Blake Fulham's done a good job. If he has to go back out there, that would be something that I think they find confidence in because he's done it enough. But um, as you know, with the rookie, there have been ups and downs and, and just those growing pains because a lot has gone on his plate, and, and you can't expect him to just come out there and be perfect. James, you know, sorry, James is an Illinois resident, and the reason I want to – an Illinois-raised kid, for you, growing up there, seeing the rivalry outside as a neutral party that was New England and Indianapolis, and Jake brought this up yesterday, and we did a poll – on Query and Company on Twitter regarding is the rivalry still there or was it really just hatred for Brady and Belichick? And the poll came out that it was just hatred in terms of, I think, 500, 600 people voted in that poll. 
from your seat as a neutral non-Indiana native, is there still cachet between Colts and Patriots? Or is it just another game that used to have rivalry merits to it? Just another game. I think it's the Tom Brady effect and the Peyton Manning effect. You want to see great players all the time. And those two guys, just the way they played, how great they were, it lended itself to a lot of debates and, you know, back and forth between fan bases. But I mean, it's tapered off a bit since then. But obviously, uh, either way, if you can say, well, you know, who was the last team to win in Germany? Um, you get this one, you can talk trash for a while. So <laughs> I'm sure it'll be uh, pretty spicy. You know, it's funny, James, we were talking about this yesterday. I-, I also think it's somewhat influenced by the fact that for so many people, probably on both sides of the coin, talking about Colts and Patriots, in the peak of that rivalry, like, for example, the Pacers-Knicks, which-, which was an older rivalry, and it also obviously is not necessarily the same, but there's never been like some sort of a thing to come out since that Reggie Miller and John Starks actually were buddies and they do a lot of stuff together. You know, Reggie and Spike Lee maybe a little bit have had some fun together. But I, I think that it softened a little bit when people all of a sudden it was illuminated to them after the fact, wait a minute, you mean my hero Peyton Manning actually likes Tom Brady? And then you find out they were buddies <laughs> with one another and you kind of feel like we were all part of like a big ruse, right? Oh, absolutely. I think that's the same with – um, in the NBA, the LeBron-Kobe debate and all that, and you find out they were really, really you know, close friends. And I think as long as you're a decent human being off the field, a lot of times these great guys, they see each other so often at Pro Bowls and um, you know, off-season events and games, obviously, that you have nothing to do but to become friends if you are a decent human being. So um, I know a lot of the play gate stuff gets everyone riled up, and it should because obviously cheating should be allowed in the NFL. But as far as like criminal things, you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady had never done anything to the point where you're like, okay, this is a bad human. So it doesn't surprise me that they're friends and um, that maturity has kind of shined through over the years. James, if Indianapolis is able to beat New England, and I do think that they – I think actually because they ask us all the time for like predictions, I think I'm just going to predict 7-6. Colts win <laughs> 7-6. Am I off base there? No, no, I don't think you're off base. I think you're actually correct on that one, Jake. <laughs> because it could be kind of ugly. Right? Actually, and I say that partially because I don't think the forecast is great, right? Um, and it's going to be an interesting game. But assuming the Colts are able to beat New England, it's going to be because they do what? That's the question I ask a lot of people in previewing games. The, the area the Colts want to exploit of New England or take advantage of and have New England exploit of them is what? Turnovers. They're uh, 4-0 when they win a turnover battle and uh, 0-5 when it's even or a negative. So they have to create turnovers to give themselves either points like Kenny Moore did last week or short field where you're not relying on Gardner Minshew to drop back 30 times. Because I think the more you have him drop back throughout a game, the more likely he is to just have a turnover. We've seen it. And so I think that that's the key to it. And maybe when Zaire comes back and, and forces a fumble or, or DeForest Buckner gets a strip stack or Kenny Moore gets a pick, either way, you do something like that, and I think good things happen for you um, in the NFL. James, you got your start, or at least one of your big breaks in the world of covering sports, getting an opportunity with the star to cover the Pacers. And last night you highlighted a piece that you had wrote about two years ago <laughs> regarding the Pacers kind of getting everything handed to them with a shorthanded Milwaukee team. As you revisited that story and you looked at where the Pacers are now, what were your takeaways from last night? Incredible performance. I think that Tyrese Halliburton is making the superstar leap right before our eyes. 
I think that Benedict Matherin has matured. That was probably the best game of his career. And anytime you can withstand a onslaught from an all-time great like Giannis and win in that fashion and get that stop when you absolutely need it against him, um, I showed a lot of growth for that team, and I think that they're clicking on all cylinders right now. But Tyrese is the key. And what's crazy about him is the efficiency. And so could I have seen this two years ago? Absolutely not. But uh, I think I, my, my biggest takeaway was leaving, you know, watching that game, leaving that game like, okay, I got to figure out how the athletic is going to make me go back to the Pacers. So I'm working on some story pitches right now because it wasn't like covering the Colts. I'm like, I don't want to be left out in the cold when they're doing something special, you know, come playoff time. You know, the interesting thing to me about the Pacers is that late in games, and right now this works, James, and, and I'm fascinated to see how long this works, okay? And by that I mean this. Late in games, when it's crunch time and everybody knows, like last night, Late in the game, everybody knew Giannis is the guy getting the ball, except for that they doubled him. They, as I said earlier, they cut the head off the snake, and then Giannis wasn't able to facilitate for other players for Milwaukee, and Damian Lillard's not out there, and so Indiana wins. For the Pacers, late in games, Tyrese Halliburton wants the ball in his hands away from the basket. But if suddenly that's taken from him, Benedict Matherin is not afraid to go to the basket to get points and score, and Matherin is developing as a guy that's not afraid of the moment. Can a team exist with – can those guys forever exist with one another, both not afraid of the moment but being willing to defer it to the other? Absolutely, because I think it's a team game. You need that. You need guys that are fearless. Um, the thing about Benedict is I think he's become a better playmaker, so he's not forcing as much as he did as long as he's honest about the game you read the game the right way good things happen when that usually is the case. So I think it's a good thing, and I think you're seeing them grow up right before our eyes. And, again, I, I feel like – I don't get too much of ahead of myself, but they don't feel like the old, you know, oh, the you know, little pacers. They feel like some guys who, if you come in there thinking it's going to be easy or you're going to just, you know, uh, walk over them or get this easy win, that, none of that is happening anymore. Because I couldn't believe two years ago watching them lose to the Bucks without, you know, Giannis, without Chris Middleton, without a bunch of guys, and then – Looking at it last night, I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, Dame Miller wasn't out there, but you know, Giannis had a huge game. They still had a chance to to, to prove themselves, and they did. And I, again, I think Tyrese Halliburton is the key. Um, he's the he's the guy who, I mean, I'm I'm starting to think could he be the best player on a championship caliber team? Um, and it certainly looks like the best player on a playoff team. James, last thing on my end, Jake had you go behind the curtain earlier. I would like you to go behind the curtain one more time, if you don't mind. What is your setup? for this early 9.30 kick. Take us through game day for you on Sunday covering this team. I really don't know, to be honest. i kind of just been out here vibing, you know, flowing and, and, and seeing what's, what's happening. But for us, it won't be that bad because it is an afternoon game. So I'll actually get up and have the same pretty much routine that I've always had. Get there about an hour and a half, two hours early. Probably a little bit earlier because it's a unique stadium. I hope I want to walk around and see some things I will. But um, it's pretty routine for me. The jet lag hasn't really... Um, affected me too much. I feel like, you know, how I feel when I fly to Vegas or something like that. So, um, something good on the plane, made it over safely, and I'm um, just really grateful for the opportunity, man. I, I didn't never think I was ever going to be in Germany working, and um, it's an awesome experience so far. I'm looking forward to bringing you all some uh, some coverage that kind of brings this to life on your end. Now, when did you get over? Got over this morning, actually, and uh, been here since about 12 in the afternoon. So, you, okay, so I'm presuming that means you flew in a red eye, right? Yeah, basically, up flew overnight from Newark, New Jersey, over here to Germany. So here's the key, James. You got to plug through. You got to stay up until 
probably nine o'clock tonight and then crash out and then get up at like nine o'clock their time tomorrow and you'll be then your body clock's set. That's the key. Oh but, yeah. But you're gonna yeah, trust everyone's me. Been telling me that well actually sure, I, I so it. I guess right now it's what, eight thirty over there? Yep, I'm about to get something to eat, and we'll figure it out from there. But I don't go to bed early anyway, so I'll be fine. Well, I know, but I'm telling you, man, it, like, it does hit you eventually. I'm, I'm the biggest night owl on the planet. But did you get any sleep on the flight over? Yeah, I actually sleep very good on planes. So I slept pretty much – I stayed up for an hour to watch one episode of a show, and after that I was out for the other seven hours of my flight. So yeah, you're good then. You're good. Over. Yeah, James, I fell asleep yep. in a booth in Paris and not because I had too much just because I was so exhausted it hit me at like 8 o'clock local time and I was out so I'm glad you were able to get some sleep on the flight we don't need you passed nah, out in the press box good, <laughs> <laughs> nah nah gotta work gotta work alright James appreciate it enjoy it and I, I learned this yesterday hello in Germany is hello so just say hello to everybody and you're good alright sounds good appreciate you Jake life is full of things to manage your work your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. (laughs) 